Here we are in Job. And, you know, it is true in the book of Hebrews, it says that the new covenant is a, a better covenant. And in Luke 22, when, which is the first communion, uh, Jesus, uh, he says, take this cup, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And among many other things, the new covenant means that we have a mediator who we can know personally. It says in verse 33 of chapter 9, He's crying out. Job is sort of just crying out and just saying that there, there is no mediator between me and God who may lay his hands on us both. Man longs for a mediator between him and God. And in 1 Timothy, it says there is only there is a mediator. And by the way, only one. It's not saints, it's not Mary, it's not a dead relative. Many religions believe that kind of thing. You can pray to a dead relative or something and, and they can speak with God. It is the man Jesus Christ, it says in First Timothy. We have a mediator. As I was praying, I, 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 I don't think, I'm certain that we have just a small amount of appreciation of the fullness that we have in this new covenant with the Holy Spirit living within us. It says in verse 35, if I had a me, if, it says, if I could get to God, it says, I would speak and not fear him, but it is not so with me. It is not so with me, and I think we were we ended there last week, but it can hardly it be impossible for me to overemphasize that we can go in without fear. Hebrews chapter ten says, "Every priest, verse eleven, stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly." The same sacrifices which can never take away sin, that's referring to the lambs and the bulls and the goats, the pigeons that were sacrificed every day. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down at the right hand of God. And then verse 19 says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil, that is His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with water. So it says that we can go in with a full assurance. Hebrews chapter 4, many of you are familiar with this. It says, seeing we have a high priest 
Jesus, the Son of God, who can sympathize with our weaknesses and is able, and is able to sympathize us, He was in all points tempted as we, therefore, we come boldly to the throne of grace. We may obtain mercy find grace to help in the t- time of need. And here we are in Job. And is it January 23, 2024? Yeah, thousands of years ago. We forget this is how man used to live. Even the most righteous man, this is how they used to think. Oh, I wish I could go in and speak with him without fear. But it is not so with me. This is the most righteous man on the earth. <laughs> and he's thinking, I can't do that. I can't approach God. Chapter 10 says, My soul loathes my life. That means my soul hates my life. And I'm going to give free course to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, Do not condemn me. Show me why you contend with me. said last week it's okay to ask God, God, why? But if he doesn't answer, we just have to, we just, we have every reason to trust him. We just have to trust him and remain silent. But Job here is going to give free course to his complaint. He's been spurred on by these men who have these three guys show up. They're friends. They say they're friends. They're trying to speak for God and they're speaking all kinds of nonsense. And Unfortunately, what they're doing, they are spurring him on to do what he shouldn't do and say things he shouldn't say. Verse 3, does it seem good to you that you should oppress? So he's speaking to God. Does it seem good that you're, you're punishing me the way that you're punishing me? His ten children have been killed. His, all his property has been destroyed. His servants have all been taken away. And probably the worst thing, his wife came up to him and said, curse God and die. He's saying, does it seem good to you that you should oppress? That you should despise the work of your hands? You've done a good work with me. You made me and now you're despising me? See, this is a lie. And as I've been talking about, I don't know why more has not been made of this, but Satan's really involved here. Let's face it, he's like a co-star in the first two chapters. He's, he's like the major player other than God himself. And he's saying to God, the only reason Job does not curse you to your face is because you kept him with all, your blessing, all these blessings. If you remove them, he will curse you to your face and die. So you can be sure Satan is speaking lies, which... Satan can to your mind. Satan has the ability to speak, li- uh, speak lies into your mind. Why it says in Ephesians chapter 6, we take up the shield of faith to, and, 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 and against the, the fiery darts of the evil one. 
because he does, God has granted him that ability. You can ask God why. Well, why? You know, maybe he'll tell us why when we get to heaven, but wow, that's hard sometimes. Why? But he's very involved in this whole thing with Job using these men. Satan also often uses people in the church, the weak links in the church, the weak Christians, to speak things to you which are lies. And that's what's happening to Job. And he's saying things to God like, end of verse 3, and you smile on the counsel of the wicked. I mean, that's just pure nonsense now that he's babbling about. But he's babbling. You smile on the counsel of the wicked. You know, I generally agree with this thing that you hear from time to time, and it's good that we hear it, that sometimes we, we just need to really argue with the Lord. But I do think it's taken too far sometimes. We also have to have a fear and respect of God. I think he crosses the line here. I, I don't think I know. I mean, it's, it's one thing to say, Lord, it just seems like this is so unfair to me. It's another thing to tell God, you smile on the counsel of the wicked. Verse 4, do you have eyes of flesh or do you see as the man sees? Or are your days like the days of a mortal man? Are your years like the days of a mighty man that you should seek for my iniquity and search out for my sin? So he says, are you behaving like a man? That you're treating me like this? I, 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 I thought you were a kind God, a just God. Verse 7, although you know that I am not wicked, and there is no one who can deliver from your hand. I, I do feel like it is something that we can really learn from Job that he defends his integrity. Yes, every day we need to get before the Lord and say, I, 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 I personally believe every single one of you loves me. You need to get before the Lord. I, I am a wicked singer, sinner, Lord, and I need your grace. However, there is the concept throughout the Bible, I think I mentioned this last week, that there is such a thing as an upright man, an upright woman. I quoted the verse at, on Sunday morning in Psalm 32. Be glad in the Lord, O you righteous. Be, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O you righteous. Shout for joy, you upright in heart. There is such a thing of, uh, as a person saying, oh yes, I, I'm a righteous person. I walk with God. I'm going to, I'm going to declare I, I, the praises of God and I'm going to be filled with joy. And it is an admirable thing here that he doesn't give over to the condemnation of the devil. You know you're being condemned if you're being pushed away from God. You know it's conviction if you're being brought to God. It's, it's, uh, it's an admirable thing that he's holding on to his integrity. I mean, he knows, we all know we get bad thought life that comes into our mind every day. We, we have things we sin every day. But 
as a general rule, we know with, whether we're walking with the Spirit. I can say I walked with the Spirit today and I'm not in like sin. I, I did, by the way. I'm not in sin by saying that. And so, and, and, and we should be, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because the devil will try to come and condemn you and bring condemnation into your life for things you really never should be condemned for. Uh, you know, he'll put us in a place of condemnation and begin to lie to us. Verse 6, verse 8, by the way, one of the ways that happens often, there'll be two, two parents who really raise their kids in the fear of the Lord, and one of the kids rebels. And, and man, God will get, uh, rather, not God, uh, Satan will get into your mind of just you thinking what a lousy parent you were. And it's just not true. In some cases, that is absolutely not true. And it's good for, for a parent in those circumstances to hold fast to their integrity like, like Job is doing here. There is a place to hold fast to your integrity is what I'm trying to say. And we've got to be careful as evangelicals, as born-again Christians, because sometimes we go too far in speaking about our own wickedness everyone's following me on that verse 8 your hands have made me and fashioned me an intricate unity the beautiful picture argument for pro-life life began in the womb at conception yet you would destroy me Verse 9, remember I pray that you made me like clay and will you turn me into the dust again? Do not, did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? Clothe me with skin and, and flesh and knit me together with bones and sinews. So again, a beautiful pro-life statement here. God knit us together in our mother's womb. And no person has a right, including a mom. It's, it's, a baby is not her body. <laughs> the Bible says it's not her body. Baby is God's. It's a body owned by God. It's another human being. Forgiveness for abortion. Absolute blood completely covers it, but you can't talk silliness like it's another it's it's a woman or, or anyone can't say a, 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 the baby in a mother's womb is her body it's just not verse 11 job 10 verse 12 you have granted me life and favor and your care has preserved my spirit and these things you have hidden in my heart rather these things you have hidden in your heart i know that this was with you if i sin then you mark me and will not acquit me of and of my iniquity, if I am wicked, woe to me, even if I am righteous, I cannot lift up my head, I am full of disgrace, see my misery. If my head is exalted, you hunt me like a fierce lion, and again, you show yourself awesome against me. You renew your witnesses against me, increase your indignation for me, changes in war are Ever with me. He's just saying, there's this thing that God is against me, God is against me, God is against me. That's what those four or five verses are about. You're against me, you're against me, you're against me. He's not against them. 
one of my favorite stories along these lines in the, in the Bible is when uh, that story with Jacob, he sends his, his sons to get wheat and um, Joseph is there. They don't recognize him. They had sold him into slavery and he comes up with this plot. He, 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 he keeps one of the, the brothers there and sends the rest back and uh, to their father. And when their father finds out that one of his sons, who, who, who was in prison? Was it Simeon the first time? Is it Simeon? Uh, it, it, he was in prison. When J Jacob finds that out, he goes, everything's against me. And of course we know it was exactly the opposite. His son is the second most powerful person in the world. But Jacob's like, everything's against me. <laughs> and that's what Job is, is like. It's like God is against me right now. Jacob was like, God was against, is against me. It was exactly the opposite. He could not be in a better position than anyone else in the earth, really. His son was in control of the food supply when there was a famine in the whole world. Jacob, but verse 18, then why have you brought me out of the womb? Oh, that I had perished and, not, and no eye had seen me. And we were talking on Sunday about the glory of God, and that's the purpose of your life. And it is really, really hard from time to time when I'm speaking with a person who is in a trial that many other people are not in. They're 50 years old, they've always wanted to be married and they haven't been married or they've, they're, um, they've been married for 30 years and they've never had kids and, uh, or they um, have uh, a disability that is debilitating. God wants to be glorified in your life. And he has chosen this way to bring you glory. If you're willing, you will be just a fountain of glory of the Lord for people to observe. Say, wow, that is an awesome God. That person worships and falls. Many Christians just don't accept it. They will not accept it. The Lord, in his sovereign grace, has you in a trial, a very short life. Best thing to do, glorify him in the, in the trial be quick, because pretty soon, there ain't going to be no trial no more. You're going to be face to face with Jesus and worshiping him for all eternity. So do well the trial that you're in right now. So, it says, verse 18, why then have you brought me out of the womb? Verse 19, I would have been as though I had not been. I would have been carried from the womb to the grave. Are not my days few? Cease, leave me alone that I may take a little comfort. Before I go to the place from which I shall not return, to the land of 
darkness and the shadows of death, a land as dark as darkness itself, as the shadow of death without any order, where even the light is like darkness. So he's talking now about what he thinks happen, even with a righteous person when they die. He's saying they go to a place, verse 22, it's like the shadow of death, last part of the verse, where even the light is like darkness. He thinks that's where he's going to go when he dies. First Timothy said, I think I quoted this last week, but First Timothy says that, um, oh my, I lost it. That Jesus Christ, or is it Second Timothy, has abolished death and Second Timothy one ten, and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Meaning, we understand so much more today. Case in point. What happens when we die? What's going to happen after? It's not going to be like it's so dark that even the light is like darkness. Revelation 21 or Revelation uh, 22, it says, there sh verse 5, There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever. It says, the Lamb of God is the light. So we, we understand so very little I mean, about how much we have because of we're post-Jesus Christ, not pre-Jesus Christ. Job, who was the most righteous man on the face of the earth, at that time, he wasn't without sin, he thought that death was this place where even the light is like darkness. And so somewhere between Job, by the way, and the rest of the Old Testament before Jesus Christ, light was introduced where it was the story of Lazarus and the and the rich man in Luke 16 where Lazarus was a beggar full of sores desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table but when he died he was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom and that's and I did a little reading on that it's like that it's really actually a very very comforting Abraham's bosom it was it's the same kind of imagery of, remember in the book of John where it says, the one whom Jesus loved laid on his bosom. It's, Lazarus, the poor man, became like a, a friend, a most treasured friend of the Lord, Abraham's bosom. But whenever it was, 2,000 years earlier, Whenever this is, where it's it's a, they th it's around the time of Abraham, where Job, or perhaps even before Job is writing, he's thinking he's going to go to a place where even 
the light is like darkness. And so we understand very little about how much we have because of the coming of Jesus Christ and because of the Word of God, which was just miraculously put together for us. Just been thinking about what a miracle it was in a time with no internet, no fast transit, no, forget about, you know, technology. There was no subways, there was no trains. Somehow, all these letters in the New Testament, how many, how many are there in the New Testament? How many books in the New Testament? How many? 27. That's a homeschooling type fact. A homeschooler knows that. 27 books in the New Testament, somehow, I mean, think about it. How in the world did it happen? Letters being sent to different cities, written by different people, Someone gathered them all together and put them in this perfect book for us, which is just an explosion of light and immortality to us, of what the truth is. God did it. He did it. And I don't think we, I know I don't have a proper appreciation for how much we have, but it helps to read the book of Job of his understanding. So chapter 11, we have to read again how we should never, ever be, and I can't say I've been completely innocent of a person offering advice when I should have kept my mouth shut, but another example, Zophar the Namathite answered and said, and this is, by the way, this is really bad, (laughs) this guy. I mean, he's talking to a guy who just lost 10 kids, all his possessions, his wife said, curse God and die, walked away. And here's this guy's, his consejería, his advice to this man. Verse 2, should not the multitude of words be answered? And should a man full of talk be vindicated? So you know there's that proverb that says where there are multitude of words, their sin is present. He's basically saying this guy's just a, a windbag full of empty words. He uses in verse 3, should your empty talk make men hold their peace? Meaning you're, you're full of empty talk and you're just going to... That, that's an expression in English, by the way. When hold your peace means to be silent. So, so should your empty talk men make men silent... And when you mock, should no one rebuke you? So he is likening Job's speech to to mockery. For you have said, my doctrine is pure and I am clean in in your eyes. But oh, that God would speak and open his lips against you, that he would show you the secrets of wisdom. For they would double your prudence. Know therefore that God exacts from you less than your iniquity deserves. So he's saying, you deserve worse because of your sin. Now we know his sin had nothing to do, not a single thing to do with what happened. But again, it's this general superstition 
which is prevalent in the whole world, if a bad thing happens to someone, it's because of some bad thing they did. It just simply is not true. In many, many, many cases. Never underestimate the damage that a self-righteous person can do. A person who is righteous in their own mind, in their own estimation of themselves. Never underestimate the foolishness that can come out of their mouth. Verse 7. And I have a proverb here. Proverbs 15, 18. Oh, no. Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous studies how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours forth evil. And, and uh, underscore the word how to answer. Meaning, the heart of the righteous studies how to answer, meaning not only what to say, but how to say it. Before you correct someone, it's good to compliment them. Not in 100% of the time, but most of the time. But sometimes, you know, we sh- in, in, in the case of these guys, you never s- hear them say, you know, I think maybe this is going on. I think maybe God is saying this. They haven't studied how to answer. If they studied how to answer, they would be putting, if they, st- <laughs> if they really sought the Lord, they wouldn't be saying anything. But if they studied how to answer, they, they would be saying, you know, I think maybe you should consider this. I think maybe, but you know, I may be wrong. But they haven't, st- and it's important that you, before you go into a hard conversation, Lord, how do I answer? Man, if I had $100 for every time I have answered with the right words but in the wrong way, I would be one wealthy dude. I would be rich. I would be just loaded with dough. So many times I said it, I said the right words and I said it the wrong way. And these guys are just like saying it the wrong way. I mean, not only are they saying the wrong thing, they're saying it in the wrong way. But if you think that's bad, let's continue reading. Verse 10, if he passes by in prisons and gathers to judgment, then who can hinder him? Calling Job empty-headed. Word picture. If you would prepare your heart and stretch out your hands toward him, if iniquity were in your hand and you put it far away, and would not let wickedness dwell in your tents, then surely you would uh, lift up your face without spot. Yes, you could be steadfast and not fear, because you would forget your misery and remember it as waters that have passed away, and your life would be brighter than noonday. Though you were dark, you would 
be like mourning and you would be secure because there is hope. Yes, you would dig around you and take your rest in safety. You would also lie down and no one would make you afraid. Yes, many would court your favor. You realize verses 13 through 19? You could actually use those verses with someone who you know for a fact is in ongoing sin. And if someone is in, in fact in some wicked sin and you go to them and they're not arguing with you, they know they're in sin, you could quote verse 13 through 19 and you would be 100% correct. Because everything he says is true. If someone is in sin and they're feasting on sin, this is true. Verse, um, verse 14, if, 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 if iniquity is in your hand and you put it away and would not let wickedness dwell in your tent, verse 15, then surely you could lift your face without spot. Yes, you could be steadfast and not fear. In other words, you would be right before the Lord again. You're talking with a Christian in sin. These are actually verses you could give them. But the problem is, Job's not in sin. Chapter 12, then Job answered, No doubt you are the people and wisdom will die with you. So that's like big time sarcasm. By the way, I have found that at least for myself, I need to eliminate 90% of sarcasm because it's not edifying. So you think wisdom is going to die with you guys. You're the wisest people in the world. Verse 3, but I have understanding as well as you. So he's, he's maintaining his integrity here. I am not inferior to you. Indeed, who does not know such things as these? Meaning, as a general rule, yeah, God punishes the wicked and he blesses the righteous. We know that. But the world is filled with exceptions, including, he says, verse 4, me. I am one mocked by his friends who called on God and he answered him, the just and blameless who is ridiculed, saying, I am a person who is righteous. And God has brought all this stuff on me. I do not know why. So again, he's maintaining his integrity. Verse 5, a lamp is despised in the thought of one who is at ease. It is made ready for those whose feet slip. The tents of robbers, robbers prosper, and those who provoke God are secure in what God provides by his hands. In other words, sometimes, verse 6, God, so what he's saying in, in, in verses 5, in these verses generally, is that sometimes righteous people are, um, are suffer has nothing to do with their sin. But not only that, the wicked often prosper because God is having grace on them. And I quote it all the time on Sunday morning, I quote it all the time with people. Luke chapter 6, I think it's verse 35. You are a son, you are a daughter of God if you are kind to the unthankful and the evil. That's what God does. That's how good God is. 
kind to evil people. And he's saying here in verse 6, the tents of the robbers prosper because many times the tents of the robbers do prosper. Now there is, certainly they will reap what they sow eventually. But God is kind. God, had, God does not have pleasure in the death of the wicked, the Bible says. You may. God doesn't. Remember when Osama bin Laden was assassinated and in Mission Hill, I personally was deeply disturbed by this. I mean, literally, you walked around Mission Hill and people were just cheering and saying things like rejoicing in the death of this man. And you can argue with me. I had one Christian say, well, I completely disagree with you. You can, you can disagree with me, but that's not what God is doing when Osama bin Laden was assassinated. It was not. It says he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. By the way, anytime drunk people are, are chanting loud things, more likely than not, it's not going to be righteous. And that's what was going on in Mission Hill right after that assassination. God is that good. We were singing about the goodness of God. It's not, he's not just good to you when you're walking well and you're, when, you, when you sin. He's good to the wicked. That's how good God is. Will he judge them? Yes, he will. But they're all living under the grace of God and he does bless them. Verse 7, But now ask the beasts and they will teach you. And the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. And the fish, the sea, will explain to you. Who among all those does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? So, you know, there's been times, I spent a lot of time growing up just by the ocean, that just something will happen, and just fish will, a whole bunch of fish will just wash up dead. They didn't do anything wrong. They just got caught up in... A, I guess fish can't really do wrong things, can they? They're, they're not like us. But um, a soul with, with a, the choice of doing evil or wicked, evil or good. But, you know, they're just part of what happens. And Job is saying this here. The beasts, the birds, the fish, they can even teach you guys. Things, bad things happen to people not necessarily because they've done something wrong. Verse 10, in, whom, in whose hand, meaning God's hand, is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind? Does the ear test the words? And the mouth taste its food? Wisdom is with aged men and with length of days understanding. With him, meaning God, Are wisdom and strength. He has counsel and understanding. If he breaks a thing down, it cannot be rebuilt. If he imprisons a man, there can be no release. So here he's just speaking really of the sovereignty of God. He's actually, he, he's, he's speaking truth really now, from now to the end of the chapter. He's just speaking truth about who God is. Verse 15, if he withholds the waters, they dry up. If he sends them out, they overwhelm the earth. With him are strength and prudence. 
The deceived and the deceiver are his. He leads counselors away plundered and makes fools of the judges. He loosens the bonds of kings and binds their waist with the belt, meaning God's in complete control. He, the mighty he brings down. Those who are low, he brings them up. Verse 18, he loosens the bonds of kings and binds their waist with a belt. He leads princes away plundered and overthrows the mighty. He, def- he deprives the trusted ones of speech. Trusted ones, not, not meaning someone who's like a righteous one, but someone who a nation looks for, they're trusting in them. They're their leaders, their kings, their presidents, their prime ministers, whoever. He deprives the trusted ones of speech and takes away the discernment of the elders. I remember seeing that picture of Ronald Reagan when he had advanced dementia. He used to just, they, his, uh, the person taking care of him used to take him to the par- same park everyone else was, was hanging out with in California. It's interesting, you know, just, whoa, this guy's the president over here. But he didn't know, he was completely, his, he was void of expression. And this was a man who was, I mean, the guy was one of the best political leaders this, this um, country has ever known. Under him, the Soviet, because of him, the Soviet Union came down. And, I mean, he did a lot of other stuff that was, he did things that were not okay. His wife was doing horoscopes and trying to give him advice based on that, like really weird stuff like that. So he was a human leader, but he did some great things. At the end of his life, he had no understanding. And that's where all of us are headed. In one form or fashion or another, it should keep us humble and with a fear of God. But that's the, um, that, that's the, the point here. He, de- he deprives, it says, um, again, he deprives the trusted ones of speech and takes away the discernment of elders. He literally did that with him with that man. Verse 21, he pours contempt on princes and disarms the mighty. He uncovers the deep things of darkness and brings the shadow of death to light. He makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and guides them. He takes away the understanding of the chiefs of the of, of people of the earth and makes them wander in pathless wilderness. They grow in the darkness without light and he makes them stagger like a drunken man. So he... he he did this with Nebuchadnezzar, right? Nebuchadnezzar is looking over great Babylon. Wow, all, all this kingdom I created. I built up this whole thing. It says, while those words were on his lips, God struck him and all of a sudden he was like a beast. He lived with the beast for seven years. It says, until he got to that place where he realized God can chose anyone, the emperor of the world. And I shouldn't think I'm anything just because he chose me. Oh, that I would have that in my DNA as well. And this too, this, he brings people down and, and just because they look all put together and they're loaded with gifts and intelligence and understanding Chapter 13 says, Behold, my eye has seen all this. My ear has heard and understood it. 
what you know I also know, I'm not inferior to you. So he's telling these guys, I'm not less than you. You're, you're patronizing. You're, you're snipping at me. You're looking down on me. You shouldn't be. Verse 3, but I would speak to the Almighty and I desire to reason with God. And again, here we go where we really started. Wish I just could just get before the Lord. Speak my case. We have that privilege. Because of the blood of Jesus. Again, Hebrews 10 says, Therefore, brethren, we can approach the holiest by the blood of Jesus. It's not because of our goodness. None of us are as good as Job was. I can say that with fairly, a fair amount of confidence. But because of the blood of Jesus, we can go right into the throne of grace.